Welcome back to the second half of the pilot episode of the Sounds Curious podcast. If you made it through the first half, then you know that I said at one point, I embraced a different aesthetic at the Columbia Princeton Electronic Music Studio than the pristine and beautiful recordings of Maria Davidovsky. And the first 30 seconds of this show are audio proof of the fact that I embraced a messy and chaotic aesthetic. But can you blame me? I lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. It was chaotic and messy, and I loved every minute of it. So if you made it through the first half and you're here for the second half, bless you and thank you and settle in. It's going to be a great show. In the background, you're hearing a bunch of recording, uh, field recording artists set their microphones out for an evening in Mozambique. You can hear them chatting in the background. You can hear the birds. For a minute, I'm imagining myself there, setting up microphones, watching for snakes, getting ready for an evening's recording. Wow. I don't even know what kind of animal that is, but it is amazing and almost deafening. Whatever they are, let's turn them down. Wow. Anyway, thank you. If you've made it through the first half of the pilot episode all about me and my music, I am Banshee of the Banshee Media Podcast, and this will likely be the last time in the history of the podcast that I ever talk about myself. Uh, I find other people's music to be infinitely more interesting to me, and quite possibly to you. Nonetheless, I wanted to, in this second part of the pilot episode, talk about another composer who had a profound impact on my work and still has a profound impact on my work to this day. And that is a composer, improviser, electronic musician, and all-around badass Pauline Oliveros. Um, For those of you who know Pauline Oliveros, you know, uh, you can probably confirm that she is a total badass. Uh, She is an accordionist and educator and incredibly sensitive musician and all-around incredible person. So... In Sympathetic Resonance, the suite that I've been talking about in this first pilot episode is composed as an homage to several of my teachers, some of whom pushed me and some of whom sustained me and many of whom created the musician that I am today. So Pauline is certainly up there in terms of profound influences. So Since I'm talking about Sympathetic Resonance, which is, uh, to remind listeners, or if you're new here, it's a piece that I composed between 2014 and 2016, celebrating uh, my relationship to the piano for many decades of my life, Um, 
the piano as an instrument, as a sound source, as a force to be reckoned with in the history of Western music. And it's a piece in which I really try and bring together all the threads of my musical life and perform them as a sort of homage. So in that regard, it is absolutely wise to begin any new musical venture looking backwards at the people who made such an incredible influence and profound impression on us. I think as musicians, we tend to trace back our lineages um, in terms of our teachers. Anyway, in the second half of the pilot episode, I'm going to be talking about the second movement of Sympathetic Resonance, the suite for prepared piano, improvising pianist, digital audio installation, live electronic processing, and eventually video installation. This second movement is called Sustain, so it's named once again after the second part of every individual sound envelope. Every sound has an attack, a sustain, a decay, and a release. And it's this profile that allows us to distinguish one sound from another, one instrument from another. If you remove the attack, for instance, it's very hard to tell if you're hearing a clarinet or an oboe or a trumpet. Um, It can be very difficult. So these are also the parts of a sound that are responsible for making each sound unique. So certainly Mario Davidovsky and Pauline Oliveros are two unique individuals with very unique perspectives, and it's my honor to celebrate them here. The reason that I've called this second movement sustain, and the reason that I associate it with Pauline Oliveros, is because in 2014 there was the uh, second international conference and festival on deep listening, at the new Center for Deep Listening at MPAC in Troy, New York. That's at Rensselaer Polytechnic. And Pauline Oliveros has a long and distinguished career at Rensselaer Polytechnic. She has been teaching at Mills and, of course, uh, was one of the founders of the UCSD Music Department, which I studied at for my PhD. And she has been a guiding light for many composers of all genders and sexual orientations. She herself is an out and proud lesbian and woman composer. Don't call them lady composers. And she has been making waves and making noise and sounding since the 1930s. She, I think, came out as a musician. Anyway, she's still incredibly active. And at this 2014 event, I was very interested in composing a piece for an overnight concert that was designed to be played for people while they slept. It was also celebrating the release of the initial deep listening recordings, which for those of you who don't know, the original deep listening band uh, came across a cistern in Washington that had a 45 second natural reverb. So think about that for a second. If you sound something in this cistern, you'll still hear it 45 seconds later bouncing around at you. So for people interested in listening, this was a remarkable place in which to do it. To hear and experience your sounds hanging in the air, almost as if they have a physical presence when you play. It's extraordinary. I've never been in this particular cistern. I hope to someday. It's a sort of a pilgrimage for deep listeners. I would 
imagine. Um, I was in a 6th century Justinian cistern under the city of Istanbul, and I can say it was a disorienting and mystical and magical experience, to say the least, hearing underground in these cavernous, resinous spaces you really do feel that sound takes on a physical presence. If any of you have ever whispered in Grand Central Station and been able to hear it from a hundred feet away, you understand that sound is not a physical object, but sometimes it can act like it's got its own will. In Grand Central Station, sound bounces around pretty remarkably. Uh, in a cistern, it hangs in the air like a mist or a fog that you could walk through. You could almost feel the sounds brush against your skin on their way by. So I was intrigued by this notion of creating a piece for a large resinous space and also the idea that people were sleeping. Now in sleep we process sounds differently so you have to be careful. You don't want to wake your concert audience but you do want to affect them. And you want to touch them in a way that's comforting and restful, but also perhaps having a restorative effect on them as they listen and sleep. So I decided to record my own voice and process it using something called a convolution reverb. Now a convolution reverb is simply a reverb patch for your recording equipment. In my case, it's for Pro Tools. And it's designed around a specific physical location. So if you want to hear how your piece will sound in La Scala, you download the Convolution Reverb for La Scala and you plug it into your Pro Tools and you play back your audio through La Scala. And magic in your ears, you are now hearing yourself in this brilliant opera hall. So I wanted to hear my own voice deep in the earth resonating for 45 seconds at a time. So after the festival and the conference, which was brilliant by the way, and if you ever get a chance, be sure to swing by a deep listening event somewhere near you and give it a listen in person. There's nothing better than listening to an improviser play or perform in person because they are taking you into account when they do it. You are affecting them and they are affecting you and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I composed this piece to resonate sleeping bodies gently, almost to try and recreate what I imagine the feeling is of being a kitten asleep on its mother while she purrs. Um... And so I pitch shifted my voice down and I fed it through this reverb and it became something completely other than my voice. And I created a digital audio installation for the second movement of my piece that would vibrate the piano. Now, if you're listening to this with headphones, you are probably going to... Um, experience a certain uh, vibration in your ears. If you're listening to this on speakers, uh, it may vibrate your desk. 
if you're listening to this on the subway or something, you might think that, or heaven forbid, on a plane, you might think that you've hit turbulence. So uh, just be forewarned. But it's really designed as a piece of music to deeply affect the whole body. So you can listen to it with your entire body. Now, when I play the piano over it, I'm very much trying to encourage the instrument to resonate sympathetically with the audio installation. So as my computer, as my computer, cute, as my piano starts to vibrate, I make sure that I keep my foot on the sustain pedal and I allow the entire instrument to begin vibrating and, uh, So there's this wonderful cycle that starts and ends with vibration and resonance and the sympathy between the two. I'm going to close out this podcast episode with the music, but before I do, I want to say a word or two about upcoming shows. Now, we are just beginning here at Sounds Curious, and oddly enough, after decades of experience, as a recording engineer and a um, for live performance, and uh, as well as a studio musician, it's amazing how much learning there is still involved in sitting down in your home studio and creating a podcast. We've already released the first half of an interview with composer and musicologist Alfred Sarayan talking about film music and the career and works of John Williams. We'll be releasing the second half where he discusses his upcoming work on Star Wars. Before we listen to the music, again, I want to say that this piece was originally composed for, um, the digital audio installation was originally composed for a festival of deep listening. And I want to say a few words about my relationship to deep listening and the relationship of deep listening to the Banshee Media Podcast Network. We here at Banshee Media are deep listeners. Uh, We have been profoundly influenced and shaped by the art and science of listening and greatly benefited from the work of Pauline Oliveros in coordinating and creating a systematic approach to her own sound art practice through many writings, countless performances, much teaching and educational work. So Pauline has lived her life out loud for others And in the process, she's made incredible music herself. So every episode of Sounds Curious as a podcast, and indeed every episode on the Banshee Media Podcast Network of this and all future shows, will be driven by the desire to share the joy of listening. And the joy of listening bravely and boldly, the joy of listening adventurously and deeply, the joy of listening to the world as it is, and not trying to hear it as you think it should be. So as listeners, we blend into the landscape and it looks as if we're doing nothing. But in fact, we're taking in some of the most primal information, some of the oldest information in the universe. Waves travel forever. Light waves and sound waves. Every sound that we've ever made is waving somewhere in the universe. And so we would like to dedicate the second half of the pilot episode of Sounds Curious to Pauline Oliveros and all the deep listeners, the certificate holders, the authors, musicians, 
all the improvisers and performers who make up this dynamic community. We give you a big shout out and an enormous hug. We know you often labor in ignominy and we think you're just fabulous. So the second movement of Sympathetic Resonance, Sustain, so named because Pauline Oliveros has been at a sustaining influence and the digital audio installation is related to her ultimately and her festival in 2014, but also Sustain because the piano gained its sustain pedal oh many, many years after it came into being as an instrument. And the sustain pedal allowed for an entirely new sound profile for the instrument, just like in the first half of the pilot episode where we explore Mario Davidovsky's radical approach to the sound of the piano in crescendoing a single note. The sustain pedal changed the sound of the piano forever. And so in this particular movement, I celebrate the sustain and the sustaining power of the piano both its ability to sustain a sound as well as its ability to sustain interest and to create joy for so many. And certainly its ability to sustain in importance, indeed its vital role for every musician. So the second movement of Sympathetic Resonance attempts to create a sympathetic vibration between audience, composer, an instrument that we can feel physically almost as if we were hugging the piano. But I hope you've enjoyed the pilot episode. I certainly have enjoyed sitting down alone in my studio and speaking to you as if you were next to me and imagining you somewhere listening. So get yourself comfortable, put on your headphones, lay back, Close your eyes and listen to sustain and know that it is a love song to the sustaining power of music, the sustaining power of the piano, and the sustaining power of the musicians who've created so much beauty and joy in our lives. I hope you enjoy. We'll see you in the next episode.